This is Seppa, the Southern Fried Witch, and this is episode 47 of season 2. And I'm recording this like two weeks in advance (laughs) because I'm going on vacation. I've got a rooster hollering behind me. I don't know if y'all could hear that. But I'm going on vacation for the first time in a couple of years. It's expensive to go on vacation where I want to go. At least it is for me, because I like to take my family with me. (laughs) And we have a lot of dogs, and so I need a place that's okay for all of that. And I don't make that much money. Anyway, I have saved, I have struggled, and we're out of here. In fact, let me see, I'm out of here this coming Saturday, but by the time you hear this, I will have just pulled up out there in the yard here at the farm. So... I know I'm going to be tired. I know I'm going to have to grade a lot of papers that day. (laughs) And I know that uh, the last thing I'm going to feel up to is doing a podcast. And then, of course, I'm the one who mixes it all down. So, And because I'm leaving my babies, my chickens, my rabbits, and four of my huge brood of dogs, I had to have somebody come out here and stay. And that means a whole lot of cleanup. Y'all, you let somebody stay in your house, it feels really um, intimate, (laughs) you know? Thankfully, the wonderful two girls that are going to be watching my home know that I'm a witch, and I've even kind of set aside a couple of really neat witchy things for them to play with. Things I don't think they hurt themselves with too bad, and they're grown up enough, I think they can handle it. So I think in their estimation, they're getting to come stay on the witch's farm and it's really quiet out here except for that damn rooster that won't shut up at night well he just crows as the sun is falling under the horizon and then he hushes but he's all confused isn't he y'all anyway i am just slammed and of course i've made my schedule even worse for october i don't know why i do this every year Every year I say, this coming October, I'm going to just relax. (laughs) Lie to yourself, witch. Just do my regular stuff is what I think I'm going to do. And I forget about things. I forget that my grown sons and their extended girlfriend slash partners and my grandbaby all want us to go to the pumpkin patch. That's an event. Just trying to make sure everybody can go the same time, same day. We've got our private Samhain we do, you know, without a lot of people, where I roast pie pumpkins, y'all, in olive oil and a little garlic, and then I set them aside when they get a little color on them. And then I make a homemade pumpkin butternut squash bisque, really, to go inside of that. And every year for a long time, I've been using my own, you know, that I've grown And I think I told y'all I had a really bad farming year, and when I say bad, I mean extraordinarily. Things just didn't go well at all. I've tried to forgive myself for it, but I keep bringing it up, so. 
We didn't think there were any pumpkins at all. And then I went out there and I was checking on things and moving things around and getting to where my partner could get a mower through a certain area. And lo and behold, one damn pumpkin. (laughs) Just one. We only grow Seminole because it's more native to our area and they're crazy resistant to squash borers and stink bugs and things of that ilk. So I guess the uh, pumpkin king has been sweet to me and decided I can have at least one. We usually have 20. So, and on a micro farm at that, it's a tiny farm. I reckon one's going to have to do us this year and we will be, I will be (laughs) roasting that down and spinning that up in chicken broth and cream. And then the rest of my coven, will they bring the toppings, you know, the roasted pumpkin seeds and sometimes pralines or pecan, bacon. I'm sorry to y'all vegetarians, but damn. And cheese and stuff like that. And we just do toppings across the table. And that's what they bring. And I bring the pumpkin party. So (laughs) that's going to happen. I'm also having a Halloween party because I cannot get right. There is something wrong in my head, y'all. I cannot get right. I know it's going to be a pain in my ass. And here I am already scheduling the damn thing. You know, there are other things I needed to get to in October, and I don't know where they're going to fit in. And right here at the beginning of it, on October 1st, I decide I'm going to run my cute little ass over to the Georgia Isles. And I decided I was going to do it on a day that a hurricane is hitting. So that'll be fun. I'll let y'all know how that one went. But no, I did not end up having a calm and peaceful schedule for October. I keep finding myself wanting to do certain projects. There's one I really have close to my heart that I want to do. It has to do with crafting something, which I'm not very good at. But I don't have time to fit that in. I don't know when I'll get around to it. And I need to hurry because it's not a winter one. All right, I'll tell y'all. I think I finally figured out a way to preserve spider webs. And no, I don't mean the one that they're using. I see that happen a lot. I know they just rebuild it, but honey, you know, it's exhausting. And at this time of the year, they need all of their energy, every last bit of it to get through until their um, egg sacs are laid if they haven't laid them already. So no, I don't feel like it's that cool to do. I don't think I'd take a lot of truck with it, though, if somebody was doing it earlier in the year. But this late in the year, they've got days, you know. Here in the deep south, they don't have very long at all. So up north, it's already almost over. So it feels kind of, I don't know. I don't like it. I feel icky about it. But I've seen them abandoned. Now, for them to still be up and of any kind of use... You have to catch it pretty quick. I mean, they will dissolve on you. They're going to degrade really, really fast, probably within a a couple of days, tops. But since I have so many, I have so many, y'all, spiders out here, but since we don't use any pesticides, they're just everywhere. Literally, I had a guy come out here to look at our old light pole that stuck out here in the middle of our farm. Um, and all the trees have grown all around it. And he was like, oh my God, there's at least 20 orb weavers around my head right now. And yep, there were. Looked like a haunted forest out there. 
So if I go and I look at them every single day, especially in the fall when I know some of them, I've already noticed two of them have already passed on me. I didn't get their webs in time. But I've come up with a method that does not involve spraying chemicals in the air, which I can't do since I'm certified naturally uh, grown and organic. But I also wouldn't do. I don't like that idea. <laughs> I mean, no offense to anybody who's out there doing it, but I'm on a farm. And um, I reckon I've got my insect population and the birds and the bees and the turtles and the frogs and the snakes all up on a real high level of importance out here. But I think I found out a way to do it that will not involve that kind of nonsense. And if I can figure it out, and if I have any freaking time, I'll put them up in my Etsy store because I think that'd be neat. There's a lot of magic in those webs, a lot of crafting magic, a lot of, you know, skill and art in them. And I'm very focused on that energy for the rest of the year. That's what I'm focusing on. And I'm sure y'all heard my call out uh, last week. I am very interested in letters about your craft. And I'm not necessarily talking about the way you practice magic, although I'm sure magic does get into your craft. And the craft I'm talking about, of course, is like textiles and woodworking, anything of that ilk. This is what I'm looking for. These kinds of stories about how magic gets infused in it and what in the world it has to do with a witch's life. So write to me about that. Mine, I'll tell y'all right now, is none of that. And it is not for a lack of trying. I did have one wonderful letter that I'm going to read. Not right now. I'm going to read it next month and crafting month. But she was so wonderful about, you know, trying all the things. Well, I agree with her. For the most part, folks out there should try everything I have. And I will super glue my fingers together and about a hot lickety split. Mm-hmm. Quicker than you could put butter on a damn hot biscuit and it melt off of it. And I cannot paint. I've tried that too. I want to be a painter so bad. I can't draw. Um, I've tried woodworking. That one's out. Um, jewelry making my eyes. I don't know if y'all know. I'm going legally blind. And I still have a little bit of sight. And I think I can still legally drive. But it's getting real tight. Um, I'm going to end up not being able to see much of anything. So there's just not strong enough glasses in the world. I have to put on my really powerful ones and then lean down in the sun and <laughs> do everything I can to see something tiny. So needlework, no. Jewelry making, uh-uh. Did try to sew and for a long time and no. I ended up sewing my finger and almost ended up in the hospital. So that's a no. And I just want to say this is not for a lack of trying. I'm a brave Aries. I will try. But I do have my own crafting or trade or skill or art, whatever you want to call this. And in fact, I have too. You know, the podcasting and the writing, all of those things that I do like that, that's like a creative thing that just comes out of my head, not my hands so much. So I don't know that I would consider those things. Now, I'm talking about me. I don't think I consider those things to be the same 
I mean, they may be a, a skill and they may be an art form, but they're not, you know, it's not like working with textiles or something. And also, I don't know, y'all, I can grow anything. I've been known to grow some pretty wickedly weird shit. <laughs> so that is my art and that is my trade or whatever. But I do want to hear about y'all's. I want to hear about it very much. I believe that these crafting skills, these beautiful methods of art are so intrinsically magical because they do tell a story. The kind of stories that maybe people might not see right away. Very much like my orb weavers outside. That's the story of a life. That's the story of a labor that meant something, that had intent. And for some of us, it's the only way we can get those stories heard. There are stories in every necklace somebody makes, in every cape somebody knits, every moment of that. You're weaving yourself into time and space and becoming part of it, becoming part of the greater tale. And sometimes the stories that we are creating and crafting, hammering out, they can make guideposts for other people. They can be sort of the guardrails of their life. And I do that for my children as much as possible. In fact, we have a very special place that we do it in. A long, long time ago, damn, at least 20 years ago now, I found this island. And I'm not going to tell you which one, because honestly, they've already overcapitalized on this place. They've commercialized too much. I mean, not very much, but enough that makes me a little uncomfortable. So I don't want it to get that famous. But there's um there's a lot of golden isles on the coast of Georgia. And a long time ago and very far away when my children were quite little and I was all alone in the world with them, but I was going to school, I decided I had never taken my own children on a vacation. You know, I'd always let my well, my stepfather, but he was, you know, like my dad. And my mom take us places. Didn't have a lot of money. Was struggling going to school with those kids. And I mean, I would take them out to eat. And I would take them to a local museum. And I took them to the zoo twice before I couldn't stomach it anymore. I get really upset at the zoo. And you don't want me there. I may stage a protest. So, <laughs> But nowhere big and nowhere a long drive away where I was going to be alone with my kids. And then I got brave. I forget how old the youngest one was, but I think he was like four or five. He had just learned how to ride a tricycle, so he still had training wheels on. And I know this because we went bike riding. This place is wonderful for riding bikes through the woods, and I love it. You remember the first time my feet landed on this place? In my 30s. I was a scrawny little thing, too. And I landed with them. Not knowing what I was getting into, not even really understanding. You know, we didn't have great internet back then, y'all. And uh, it was dial up, and I found it online. I was looking for any place within like a six hour, maybe seven hour drive. So I didn't really understand. I didn't know how haunted it was, and um, how historic it was, and how I was never going to get over it ever again. I've been to other beaches when I was younger, lots of beaches, the Gulf, which is extensive, and then also the St. Augustine side of Florida. I thought that was my favorite. 
uh, I've even flown to California and seen the Pacific, and y'all can go on and keep it. Mm-hmm. I like my oceans rocky. I like them scary. <laughs> but I went to rest, and I went to have fun, and I went to kind of make memories for my my boys because they didn't have a lot of that, and I wanted them to have memories with me. It was evident I was going to be a single parent, you know, until they were like at least in their teens. That's where it ended up because I didn't want to date. I didn't want anything to do with anyone. I just want to raise my boys and go to school. And by the way, that's a lot. Well, and work. And so I landed over here. And I remember when we opened up that back door to that place we stayed. It was the first time I heard that ocean call me like that. Uh, Well, at least in this life it is. And I just kept walking. And my kids were like running behind me going, what's wrong? What's wrong? And I couldn't stop walking to those rocky cliffs that bear down into that sand. And yeah, I don't know what it is about this place. May not be the most beautiful beach anyone's ever seen. It certainly doesn't have a whole lot to do over there. Um, But I knew, I knew it was like the great mother calling me down there to that beach. I knew that this place was going to stay in my life. No matter what, every year I took my boys back. But I knew that it was for the memories. It was for a time when I'd be gone and they could remember. Those are the real gifts, by the way. Those are the ones that matter. Not the damn Game Boys or... Do they still have Game Boys? Or Playstations or Nike shoes. It's the memories. Those are the ones that matter. That you leave your children kind of at the end of the day. About all that matters. Well, that in full acceptance, no matter what they want to be. As long as it don't hurt nobody. Anyway. But this place meant more to me than a vacation. I don't think that word encapsulates what it means to me. I don't know if y'all got a place like that. This is the place that I grew up pretty much. I started in such, you know, like my young 30s and continue to go when I can afford it, which isn't very often anymore. It's become a legend in my family. But what I remember, I remember gathering all my books before I had to take my comprehensive examinations in grad school because I knew I had that coming up, you know, like the next week. I felt I could study better down there, and I was right. And I would sit there in the chair with my back to the sun and a little straw hat on and read so many books. Feminist theory and goddess theology and Virginia Woolf has seen way too much of that island. I'll tell you all right now. And while my boys like flew cots and ran in the sand and it's where I grew up. And it's where when something really horrible happened to me, the losing of my job, that vacation I was on, that's where I was. That's where I was sitting that year. It's where when the whole bottom fell out for me in 2016, where I ran to heal. I remember just running onto the sand and falling down into it and just crying there and staying there till I felt better. One time there was a supermoon over that ocean while we were down there. And my youngest child was uh, studying the craft at that time. And it was huge, that moon. And I took another witch friend of mine, and we'd had plans to go down there. You know, it's a fairly private beach at night, and we had plans to go down there and, and do some work. 
witchcraft work. And she fell asleep (laughs) and didn't want to go. So I went down there by myself, drawing pentagrams in the sand. And boy, it was beautiful. I cannot even explain. Of course, I didn't have a camera with me. I was experiencing it. But in my mind, I can still see it. This huge supermoon over the ocean. The kind that almost gives you chills, like you're afraid it's going to slam into us. So damn big. The whole beach lit up in this blue light. And that night I remember dancing in that circle I'm drawn with the waves crashing at my feet and that moon casting, well, darker shadows than I've seen from a sun. And all of a sudden I heard this guitar playing behind me on the rocks. And I turned to look and it was my 15-year-old son. (laughs) who would come down to help his mom out a little bit for that ritual. And that's just beautiful. I'm weaving. I'm weaving these stories with my sons. I'm so honored that at their age, they still want to go. I'm so, I guess, blessed that our family is tight. But I worked my ass off to make that happen. And I want to keep on weaving. It's, uh, It's a quilt of sorts. I want to sew in another memory. I need these stories woven. I need to embed more of us into the fabric of time. And you know, y'all, sometimes stories do need a stage. When I look back on my life and I'm remembering stories from my childhood or from any decade I've been through, it's not usually... Not as much anyway. It's not usually the stories of the day-to-day life that stood out for me. Not unless something horrible happened. You know, it's that time my grandma put me in that car of hers, blue with a white top and the white leather seats. And we were barreling down this country road to go see my great aunties. And the cows were on the right-hand side and we were listening to country music. And the wind was like flying through my fingers out the window. And she was laughing. And I can still see the sun hitting her face. And on the way back, we stopped. And it was uh, summertime. And we stopped at this uh, roadside stand. I could smell the peaches before we got out of the car. (laughs) You know, and they were in those baskets. And they had, for some crazy reason, they had Christmas lots strung across the front of that entryway. And it was dark, it was late, and just the fireflies and the Christmas lights and the smell of peaches and walking through and getting one of those candy sticks, you know those ones? I got them in butter rum. Cracker Barrel used to have them, you know the ones. And that memory wasn't the day-to-day. And it stayed with me. And I go there in my head all the time. So I can feel safe and warm and remember her. So stories often need a stage. Or if you want to stay with the quilting analogy, batting. You know, something to hold them in place. So that we don't lose them to the erosion of time and work and worry. Something. Some stitches there. And that's what I'm trying to do. You know, we have a Sunday night dinner out here every single week, and it's been a tradition since my oldest son was 19, and I mean, he, of course, was in the house until then, so I guess it was a tradition before that, 
but he moved out and kept coming home on Sunday night. So we've been doing that. He's 30 now. We've been doing that a minute. And I don't remember all of them. I mean, they get me through and I love them. And it's um just, oh my God, my sustenance. And it's imperative to me to have this time with him. But I don't remember them all. And they happen every damn Sunday. They just don't stand out as much. You know, they're not in a frame. But the ones where we're like, screw it, we're going to go outside and light candles and have this one outside and stay up a little too late. You know, those stand out a little bit more, (laughs) you know. And so, yeah, I think that's what I hate to call them vacations. It feels like I'm running toward healing, but I think that's what I'm doing. I'm running toward a new story. And the older I get, the more I need them. Maybe it's that uh, feeling in me that I'm running out of time. We all are, though. But I want to go make a new one. I want another night like that. I could tell y'all a thousand like that. I need to go craft a new story. There's magic in that. There's a marker of time in that. Feels almost... um. It feels like building something. It feels like building memories until they're this gorgeous, warm, cozy little cottage. Now, I don't think you have to get in the car and spend $1,000 or $2,000 to do something like this. I don't. You know, for a long time before I could afford to do anything, and it still really can't. I'm just <laughs> sucking it up, buttercup. But before that, I would take them to this lake that's right down the road right in the middle of a state park, and we would picnic there, and they would swim there, we would have parties there, and that was a lot of our memory. These stories aren't going to spend themselves, honey. You want to quilt all damn day long, and it's not going to put itself together until you pick up your working tools and get to it. Memories, they matter. And knowing something's going to be one, that's priceless. So. I'm about to be on a bicycle, y'all, and I hope I can still do that. And the last time that happened, my two big old strong men were riding theirs in front of me. And all I could see in my mind's eye was the little boys that had run ahead of me. They still do. (laughs) They still run ahead of their mama. And I hope they always do. Y'all know I had to come back in here. I just got back home. I thought this uh, recording was done, but I wanted to reflect on something to kind of really wrap it up. I'm exhausted, but here it is. Y'all know that last night that we were there, we sat and watched the entire gorgeous sunset happen right there on the wharf. Everybody else was down on the wharf. They were all partying and drinking and having a great old time. And we just wanted a moment. We just wanted to bask in it. We had actually scheduled to get there on time. We took our sandwiches down there and our wine. And all of us just on a blanket. And what we noticed was everyone watched that sun go down. That place is beautiful over the water. But as soon as that sun was down, they all started to walk away. But I know something. I know that the most beautiful moment isn't that crescendo. It's right after. It's that afterglow. It's that curtain call. 
where all the glory and all of the uh, effort that we put into something has reached its hut and everyone has walked away. It's that moment. Just when you think it's over. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden you get this uh, back hit of light that is golden and rust and pink and heartbreaking. It's that dimming of the day. I've got a song I love called that. And in that dimming of the day, the reflection of all that has been, it just runneth over across the sky, hits the water. And that is the most important part for me of any story. What it all meant. You see, it's not in the telling of a story <laughs> that you get all the magic. It's in the remembering. Mm-hmm. It's in the savoring of it all. And that is what we leave behind, what we put out into the world. I learn nothing from sunsets. I mean, I enjoy them. <laughs> but the weight of it all never hits me until I see it sinking below the skyline. That's the moment that matters the most to me. That's the moment that the weight really lays down on my old witchy heart. You know, there's something to getting older, y'all. Bat children, there is something to getting older. I always thought it was in the, the big intentional moment, you know. That was where my opus was. That was where I put all of my energy. And now I finally understand that was right before the landslide. I hope you all have landslides like that, where all of the beauty of your life and the magic you've cast and the forgiveness you need to give yourself when nobody else will, the acceptance of everything that has come before and what might come again in the morning. I hope you have a landslide just after sunset, because that's where the real fun is. Love y'all like chicken. Talk to you next week. Blessed be. Y'all have been listening to the Southern Fried Witch Podcast. Come back around next week for a little bit more magic from the deep south.